The Center for Disease Control and Prevention has just released new emergency room statistics. Were there any surprises? You're listening to a special segment on emergency room medicine on ReachMD XM 157. Welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and joining me today is Dr. Derek Robinson. Dr. Robinson is an attending physician at a suburban hospital in Chicago, but primarily has a leadership role in the Federal Government Affairs and Reimbursement Committee of the American College of Emergency Physicians. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Maurice. The Center has just released these statistics in this report, which is an annual thing. Could you tell me some of the highlights of it? Maurice, certainly this report highlights what most physicians see and most patients see in the United States today. Essentially, over the last decade, we've seen an increase in the number of patients who need emergency care, while at the same time, we've seen a decline in the number of emergency departments available to provide that care. And in fact, over the last 10 years, emergency department visits increased over 32%. And during that same time period, we saw 276 emergency departments close. So this is a significant problem in terms of access to care for patients, and it's something that we definitely need to do something about. Who are the patients that are coming into our emergency room? Well, Maurice, we know that in the healthcare system, most resources are spent at the extremes of life. Those individuals who are just getting started, less than a year of age, and those individuals who are elderly, particularly over the age of 75. And particularly, this report demonstrated that 30% of patients who present to the emergency department are actually over the age of 75 years old. And so certainly we know that the baby boomers are getting older. We're going to have a larger number of patients on Medicare and a larger elderly population, while at the same time we see a decline and the number of emergency department resources available. So this definitely paints an ugly horizon for emergency care in the United States. Is there any difference in race as far as who comes into our emergency room? Well, we know that past IOM reports have talked about disparities in health care, and certainly we see that those segments of the population who have more limited access use the emergency department more frequently, particularly African-American patients. In today's political climate, we see a lot of discussion regarding immigration and Hispanic population, but actually we've seen that the use of the emergency department by Hispanic patients is not remarkably different from that of white patients. This may be because there are, are clinics in the areas that where healthcare providers speak Spanish, and this may be a better source of care. I think there's also a fear among some segments of that population with regard to reporting immigration status, and so those are the major demographics that we see with regard to race and utilization of the emergency department in this survey. Yeah, I was struck by that very thing, that non-citizens and illegal immigrants are less likely, actually, one out of ten, to use our emergency rooms, and that they often rely on clinics that are supported by charities and actually clinics that are often supported by hospitals to take the load off the emergency room. Is this possible that this might be part of a solution of a safety net to take the stress off an emergency room? I'm not sure that we see a solution in this trend. I think what we do see is that when many of these patients do present to the emergency department, they're a lot sicker than they otherwise would be. I think that many of these patients forego medical care because they don't have the resources for it. And so certainly we have to look at a much broader approach to shoring up emergency department care across the United States so that we can ensure that we have adequate access and also that we have preparedness for disasters when they occur. Actually, can you tell me this? Although the numbers have gone up, have the percentage of actually urgent or emergent cases gone up proportionately? You know, it's, it's not surprising that actually the number of non-urgent care visits has actually declined. It's from, gone from 13.9% to 12.1%. 
I think the reality is that more of the patients who are presented to the emergency department are actually sick. And as we've seen our reimbursement environment become more fragile, it's been more difficult for patients who have Medicaid and Medicare to get into their primary care physician's offices because these physicians are already burdened with a heavy patient load, less time to spend with each patient. And so patients we're seeing present to the emergency department in a much sicker condition than they otherwise would have presented. You brought up the whole idea of payment, and I've seen that half the patients who present to an emergency room do not pay. Well, somebody is paying, and is this situation causing a hidden tax for those who do pay? Do we see a cost shifting in this situation? Well, Maurice, the results of the survey demonstrate that about 17.5% of patients who present to the emergency department do not have insurance or self-pay patients. I think the important take-home message in this case is that coverage does not necessarily equal access. So, you know, even if when we look at the statistics here, it shows that probably about 40% of patients at least have Medicare and Medicaid But the real question becomes, how many of these patients have easy access to their primary care physician's offices? Certainly, there's an economic side to providing health care, and providers have to be reimbursed at a rate that allows them to actually take care of their patients. And we're well aware that in this reimbursement environment, even private insurers use Medicare reimbursement rates as kind of a benchmark, so they pay a percentage of what Medicare reimburses. And we're also aware that the Medicare reimbursement formula For physicians, it's linked to the SGR. So even in a time where you have inflation, you have increase in costs to provide care, we don't see significant increases in physician reimbursement. And many would argue that it's been flat or that it's declined because when the economy declines, the reimbursement for physicians declines. And so this kind of has a cascade effect, if you will, on access to care for patients. If you're just joining us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Emergency Medicine on ReachMD XM 157. Our guest today is Dr. Derek Robinson, who has a leadership role in the College of Emergency Physicians. How did your organization respond to the failure of CHIPS being passed, which would have caused at least another 4 million children to have insurance? Are they doing anything about this in particular? Well, you know, we've definitely made ourselves available to other specialty organizations as well as to members of Congress attempt to provide them with more information on the impact that various programs have on access to care for patients. Certainly there is a bill in Congress now, the Access to Emergency Medical Services Act, which is H.R. 882, which attempts to address some of the issues that are important to emergency care and access to care. The president in July 2007 said, quote, people have access to health care in America. After all, they can just go to the emergency room. Is this really a solution for the problem? Well, Maurice, I think most physicians probably laugh when the president made that suggestion. And, in fact, maybe the president made the best suggestion he could at the time. It certainly underscores a critical role that emergency departments play in our broken health care system. And, unfortunately, uh, previous administrations, and even during President Bush's administration, little has been done to sure up the emergency medical care in the United States. Again, we've seen over the last 10 years a decline in resources as we've also seen skyrocketing in demand for those same resources. Previous Secretary Tommy Thompson of Health and Human Services, you know, said shortly thereafter, even if you don't have health insurance, you still get taken care of in America. That can be defined as universal coverage. And he was referring to the emergency room. What are we to do when our leadership is taking us in this direction? Well, this is a tough situation, particularly one that emergency physicians, those physicians who take emergency call in hospitals, have bared the burden of EMTALA-related care on their backs. 
And essentially, these providers provide care to patients regardless of their ability to pay. And, you know, this has been a problem that has strained the resources in the emergency medicine community. And certainly hospitals are operating much leaner than in years past. We've got shortages in nurses and physicians. This has created staffing problems. We have patients who particularly board in emergency departments when they should be on an inpatient floor. We have prolonged waits in emergency departments, particularly in large urban areas. And we have problems with ambulance diversions, you know, an ambulance being diverted on average once a minute. Many of these things occur because we don't have the type of reimbursement environment that's conducive to providing emergency care. And we need to fund EMTALA, which is an unfunded mandate at this time, to provide care for any patient that needs it emergently. The Institute of Medicine in 2006 states that some of the reasons that we're having trouble in the emergency room situation is, as you stated, increased baby boomers, also that there are increasing people who don't have insurance. But thirdly, and this is the one I'd like you to comment on, Decreasing amounts of people going into primary care. Is it possible that by increasing people in primary care that you might take some of the stress off emergency room? It's possible that you know, increasing the, the number of physicians may help, but I, I see as one of the major problems is, is that the reimbursement that's currently available for those primary care physicians doesn't provide enough reimbursement in order for those physicians to adequately care for their patients, keep their practices open, make the transitions to electronic medical records and e-prescribing and all the other improvements in quality and efficiency that the American people and the government and employers expect. I mean, we're in an environment where we want to get more for less. And that's a difficult proposition for individuals where their compensation is not at a level that allows them to really embrace patients who are beneficiaries of Medicare or who may rely on Medicaid coverage. One of the other issues you brought up was that of bioterrorism or just terrorism in general. The House Oversight Committee said that most emergency rooms are not prepared to handle the kind of catastrophe that happened in Madrid, especially they mentioned New York and Los Angeles. But I'm sure that emergency rooms across the country share this. Do you think we can possibly get people's attention when we make this a security issue? Maurice, most physicians wonder if our leaders have had their heads in the sand for years even when I was out of town in Atlanta, I visited a hospital there in the emergency department and, and found that they're over capacity as well on any given day. Every major urban center, which particularly would be a target for terrorism, you'll find emergency departments that are operating at or over capacity. It is not unheard of to have patients sitting in the hallway because there are no beds available. So we're doing the best that we can with the resources that we have, and there truly is no surge capacity in our emergency care system, particularly in large urban areas where we're most likely to have a bioterrorism event. And so certainly we have to address this issue. It's not only a security issue, but it's just a general access to care issue. Who knows whether you know, our leaders will actually move in the right direction on this issue. It's been a care issue for citizens for quite some time. And so hopefully maybe putting this under the auspices of disaster preparedness will motivate legislators to do the right thing on this issue. For those of us who practice in hospitals, we see bottlenecks not only in the emergency room. That's only part of it. We see a bottleneck that there certainly would not be adequate surgical suites. There wouldn't be adequate ICUs. And actually, with the number of hospitals being reduced, there isn't even beds to handle the less sick who might come in from an emergency or even some, like a pandemic. Do you see any way that it would be your immediate response that our listeners could do to help this situation? Well, I think our listeners need to be active in their medical specialties. I think patients need to be 
active in terms of contacting their legislators and making them aware that this is a priority issue for them. We need to ensure that our presidential candidates, Senators McCain and Senator Obama, have a plan to address this issue. We've been talking about the most recent survey about emergency room situations in the United States. I don't think there were any surprises. It's a continual trend. There are many problems in providing care for the needy as well as being ready for a terrorist attack. There are many issues that our government has to respond to, and I'm sure that the American College of Emergency Physicians will be in the forefront of causing change to take place. I want to thank Dr. Derek Robinson for being our guest today on this special segment, Focus on Emergency Room Medicine, that you've been listening to on ReachMD XM 157. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com. I've been your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard. If you have any comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening.